Dread it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. Welcome back to 15 Minutes of Marvel, the only podcast that gives you Marvel reviews, news, and rumors in pretty much 15 minutes. I'm your host, Ethan Simi. The Loki finale is officially here. And if you'll just pardon me for just a second, the podcast will get started as soon as I finish picking up my exploded pieces of brain off the floor, because I cannot believe what I just watched. Twists and turns in the final episode of Loki made for an incredibly delightful, enjoyable, interesting episode. And I gotta talk about it. I wanna talk about it. I just finished watching it not too long ago. I've got my notes. I'm ready to do this. As always, warning, there are spoilers ahead for Loki, the final episode of season one. My initial thoughts, I thought the episode was great. I thought it fell in line with the rest of the season in that it was full of action, it had heart, it had mystery, and it leaves us wanting more. I think that has been basically the way that this season has been operating is we will answer a couple questions, but then we're going to give you a lot more to chew on and a lot more mystery and a lot more questions. I thought this served that exact purpose, and and I love it. I am totally, totally here for it. And I know not everybody likes that. I know not everybody's a fan of like, ah, more questions. Why can't you just answer what I have? AKA uh, Sylvie bombed the timeline and made a ton of time, uh, you know, timelines and nothing ever happened. Um, so yeah, big shout out to that as being a major question that's never answered. But I think some things we kind of just have to accept. We kind of just have to move on and and enjoy the moment. I, I tweeted out last night, you know, important for the final episode of anything or, you know, a movie or what have you, that we manage our expectations and we go in and we just enjoy the moment, we enjoy the ride. And and I was here, I was just, just enjoyed the ride this morning and I thought it was a freaking fun ride. It really focuses on using meaningful dialogue and conversation to move the storyline forward versus action heavy, which I think this series as a whole has been crushing it at. Just absolutely crushing the writing aspect. And from what we've seen of Phase 4 so far... WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, and Black Widow. I can throw Black Widow in there now because Black Widow is out. It's official. And I think I think it does fit into this. I think this kind of more dialogue-heavy focus, I think Black Widow falls into that bucket. But if this is going to be the new standard, I couldn't be happier. I think focusing on dialogue instead of, hey, we're a comic book movie and we're just going to go action crazy and action centric. I think focusing on dialogue allows for so much more opportunity for character growth, for for big implications, big storylines, and really attachment, really for us as fans to become even more attached to what we're watching on screen. And, you know, I'm always pro for the, the occasional, uh, you know, big explosion or multiverse problem. Uh, I'm here for it. So I'm not saying get rid of action, but I love the fact that we're doing dialogue so, so well. Shout out to the writers of Loki for, for really paving the path. I think this episode had so many twists and turns. It felt like a season finale to me. It felt like we were watching a season finale because it was just... One thing after the other, reveal after twist, after turn, after heartbreak, and I think it played super well. It felt like it had that upper echelon finale feeling to it, and I think it, I think it worked. I think it 
met expectations and felt like a season finale. And the big thing that we're all talking about now, Loki season two is coming. It is happening. It is now official. I know it's been rumored for quite some time. This post credit scene gave us confirmation that we've got Loki season two on the way. Hollywood Reporter also this morning confirmed that Loki will be in the Multiverse of Madness. So I don't know. I don't know in what capacity. I don't know what that means. Hollywood Reporter generally quite good with with the rumors and reporting. So I'm going to trust them. But, you know, I do feel like Sylvie in a way. I just can never trust anybody about anything Marvel related. And uh, no matter how hard I try, I just can't do it. So here we are. We'll see if he comes in Multiverse of Madness. But... Loki is definitely getting a season two. Let's talk about the key moments of the episode. I think this is kind of what what made the episode so, so good. The big one being we got our boy. We got Kang the Conqueror. Although he doesn't refer to himself as Kang. He does refer to himself as a Conqueror at one point. We do get Kang. We get Jonathan Majors who has been cast as Kang the Conqueror for Ant-Man and, and the Wasp Quantumania. Now... I I know that this version of Kang that we get in this episode kind of falls more in line with the Immortus uh, style of himself being a future Kang. And I like that. I thought that it played so, so, so well for this episode. I am still, as I'm sitting here talking, recording, waiting to go watch episode again, I'm still thinking about the fact that he he is not scared of the Avengers. He is not scared of of time really he's not scared of anything else he's scared of himself and I think that is going to be such an incredible thing to play with in the MCU moving forward that we have a villain that is scared of himself he's not scared of others he's scared of what he knows that he can do to himself and all of the infinite versions of himself can do and start a multiversal war and everything that can come from that and I think that unlocks the gate to incredible possibilities, incredible potential that we have not seen in the MCU yet. And that, I guess just the way too that Jonathan Majors delivers that line, that dialogue, the kind of the the spiel, the gambit, as he says, that he delivers it in such a personable way that you buy it, that you buy that, that he's lived this and he knows what he's capable of and for all we know, he's he's already lived it once, twice, an infinite amount of times. He tells Sylvie, I'll see you soon before he dies. I, I thought that was great. I will give a shout out to Miss Minutes popping up uh, initially when they make it into the Citadel. Ooh, strike fear in me. That was super scary. I wasn't ready for Miss Minutes to show up. But when she did, I was like, oh, Miss Minutes, are we doing this? Like, are you behind this? And then... They sussed her out real quick because uh, that was a that was a fake deal, and she was just trying to get a fake deal. And Miss Minutes working for Kang, I still feel like Miss Minutes is kind of up to her own shit. Honestly, I would be for real because I just don't trust her. And what she was doing with Ravona, saying like, "Oh, he thinks these files will be better for you," and but like, I don't know if I buy that. It sounds like Miss Minutes is just trying to toy with things herself. But hey, maybe that's a season two question. The other really, really big key moment, Sylvie and Loki kissed. We shipped them, they got shipped, and now it's official, they kissed. And then Loki got sent off to a mystery timeline and uh, broke all of our hearts. I think that scene as a whole, excellent, well done. 
range of emotion, takes us on a roller coaster, and says, look, we get to experience this really close connection with Sylvie and Loki, and and self-discovery, and love, and acceptance, and trust, and we get to see them kiss, and that is such a wonderful moment to experience, and then, bam, Sylvie's going to shove Loki through a time door into a mystery timeline, and what do we see on Loki's face immediately after? Pure heartbreak. Absolute heartbreak. And I think that played so well in the show because it it ropes you in, it catches you in, and then it twists the dagger, if you will, even more. And I just thought it was written well, and I'm pro. I was so freaking happy when they kissed. I thought it was awesome. I had joy, my heart felt so good. It felt like butterflies were in my stomach. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I immediately said, like, I can't wait to live this experience again. I know that there's haters out there that are going to say, like, hey, why did they kiss? Not everything has to be about a relationship. But I'm going to say to that, I love it. I think that you should watch the show on a deeper level and not just say Loki and Sylvie kissed. I think it was awesome. And the fact that it reveals that there's two two different dichotomies of the characters that we were watching. The one of Loki obviously being the one striving for the cra- for the for the uh for the throne. The one that always wants the throne. He finally bears his heart. He finally reveals at his core that he is a changed person. He truly cares. He he wears his heart on his sleeve. He doesn't want anything to happen to Sylvie and he doesn't want the throne anymore. When you have Sylvie on the other hand that truly at her core, can never trust. She has lived a life of of issues and regret and, and trauma, and her whole life has been leading to this moment in the Citadel, and it proves that even though she deeply, deeply wants to care and she wants to try and she wants to change, she just can't. It just doesn't happen. Regardless of what she feels while kissing Loki, it just doesn't happen for her to change and I love that that kind of like dyad in the force, if you will, because it seems to me like Loki's taken a lot from Star Wars. And I just like their their dichotomy that they have together. They're kind of yin and yang, and they're on two different spectrums of, of what they feel and who they are at their core. Thought that was so, so cool. And the other the other big thing is we have a multiverse. We have a multiverse of madness now, officially in play. 30-something branches of reality and with us now understanding the background to Kang and that there's infinite versions of him that will forever try to start multiversal war. Massive setup. Well done. Love to see it. I think it paves the way for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, paves the way for Spider-Man No Way Home, for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, because he is set to be in that as well. I think it makes it feel like it's an incredibly fluid tie-in without pushing it or compacting it into, you know, a five-minute intro for Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that this is a massive, easy tie-in that makes us just feel right at home with this character already, even though we've only seen him for one episode. Now, I've got to go into the, the, the faded category. Wow, that was a good line. And how could I not give the award to my boy Mobius again? He was back, albeit just for a little bit, but he was back. And look, Owen Wilson, he's batting a thousand in this episode. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I had to choose one of his very first lines. 
When he goes back into Ravona's office, he says, one man's void is another man's piece of cake. And I paused it right there, and I was like, that's my boy. That's classic Mobius. That's classic Owen Wilson. I love to see it. And I love that line. I thought it was really funny. It's, you know, taking, obviously taking a, a very common phrase and, and applying it to the void, which is something that, that doesn't, is not common at all. And um, I think his exchange with Ravona is, it's meaningful, it's humorous, it's packed with emotion. I think Mobius is so much deeper than we give him credit for. And he's betrayed by his friend. Ravona feels like she's betrayed by a friend. It's really, we're watching an unrepairable relationship take place in front of her eyes. And that that's that in and of itself is hard to watch. While I'm talking about Mobius, I, I have to say the biggest heartbreak of the episode, I, I think we're all feeling it. And the biggest twist of the episode is when Loki gets sent away and, and he goes to meet Mobius and says, look, there's someone that's ruling all of this. We have to stop. There is war that's inevitable. We have to repair. Mobius says, you're an analyst, right? What division are you from? Who are you? What's your name? My heart snapped in half, broke into a million pieces. Someone someone came, al- came along with, the, with the, a frozen pickaxe and just took it to my heart. It was ridiculous. And I wasn't ready for that. I don't think any of us were ready for that because... Holy cow! I thought, okay, wait, Loki's just back in the timeline. This is fine. He'll just go back to the TVA. He'll just work with Mobius and and, and B15 and just try to strain things out. And now that he knows what's going on, I think we'll be okay. No, uh, um, no. And I don't know why I put so much faith in the MCU just to just to hand me something that's so nice. Why would they do that? Just I know, I know that they're gonna give me things that are not so nice. And this is where we're at. And oh my gosh my heart broke and snapped and it was so hard to see. I want, I want Loki and Mobius. I I want more of that. I know that there's more there. I want more of that. And look, he didn't get a jet ski. Mobius didn't get a jet ski. As far as we know, at least in this timeline, maybe in the other, maybe in the OG timeline, he got a jet ski, but he didn't, I don't see him in a jet ski. Mobius and Loki. I, I really hope we get more of that in season two. Easter eggs. I always talk about Easter eggs. I was so entrenched in what I was watching. I didn't really notice a whole lot of Easter eggs. I think the most prominent one is we've got the intro lines to the episode that that totally caught me off guard. And, and I had to pause like five seconds in the episode. I was like, okay, I was not mentally ready for this. Let me get re-mentally ready for this because I, I just, it was so intense for me. Hearing, it's been a long, long time. The opening song to episode six is the same song that Cap and Peggy danced to in Endgame was a lot for my heart to handle, was just a lot. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And we get tons of lines from the MCU. We get, obviously, Sam Wilson starts us off. We get Carol Danvers, Vision, tons of other MCU characters. Also thrown in there, though, we get some prominent world leaders. We get Greta Thunberg, Nelson Mandela, Maya Angelou, all kinds of really cool uh, historical content, and I heard there was a pair of Mickey ears somewhere in this episode. I didn't see it. If you saw it, tweet me a picture so I can see them, so I can so I can say that I've seen the Easter eggs. I think I've got a lot of big questions moving forward. I'll, I'll just shout them out real fast. The main question, season two. What's it going to follow? What's it going to deal with? Seemingly, Loki has been sent to an alternate timeline, one where Kang rules the TVA on a much closer level, a more microscopic uh, microgement, if you will. And 
He also wears clothes that are closer to what he wears in the comics. So that was kind of cool. But when and where is Loki? What timeline is he as? Is is everything that we've known in the MCU, is it basically erased? Is it basically gone? How will Loki befriend Mobius again? How is Loki going to talk, tell Mobius everything that's happened? Is he going to try to explain the past timeline that he is in? And now we have to go through all of this again. What's it going to look like? What's going to happen to Sylvie? She was on the floor dealing with her actions at the very end. She kills Kang. She sends Loki away. And what is she going to do? Is she going to hang out in the Citadel? Is she going to try and take hold of the TVA? What does that look like for Season 2 with her? And where is Ravona going? She says she's looking for free will. Is she actually looking for free will? Is she really just looking for a way out of her her reality that she obviously cannot handle because she feels she's been betrayed so much? Lots and lots of questions. And when are we getting Season 2? I'm already dying. I know I sound like a like a classic you know, content eater of, wow, that was so good season one, now give me season two right now. No, I, I'm good with waiting. I'm okay with waiting. I think I think it's part of the experience. But I honestly, I just cannot, cannot wait for season two. I think this this episode as a whole was, was lovely and wonderful. I gotta, like, go with my gut right now. I don't write down my ratings in my, in my notes because I like to go with my gut when I'm recording and I've got to go, i got to say like a 9.3, 9.4. I just thought it worked so well. And, and I cannot wait to to talk about it. I, I'm i going to be a guest on on the Link podcast. So go check that out, talking about Loki. I'm also going to be on, on Geeky Waffle as well. We're recording tonight, the Geeky Waffle Network. Go check them out. We're going to be talking about Loki as well. I've got like four hours of Loki content I'm going to be talking about later today. And I'm... I'm just hyped. I'm so, so hyped. What did you think of the final episode of Loki? Rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. Let me know on Twitter at 15MinuteMarvel. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on any major podcast platform. And a special shout-out to the patron of the show, Brandon Clark. If you feel like joining him and supporting the show, getting a shout-out every episode, go check out the Patreon to the show. I will see you back here next time for my spoiler-filled Black Widow review. I'm finally going to be breaking down all of the major storyline points, all of the stuff that I thought was really, really cool, and I'll be talking about that post-credit scene. Yeah, crazy stuff. I'm Ethan Simi, and remember, always go higher, further, and faster.